you for listening to Matter of Perspective, the geopolitical podcast series of the Danube Institute. My name is Fanny Korpic and I am a research fellow at the Danube Institute and I will be the moderator of today's discussion. Um, the topics that we are going to be discussing today are the French presidential elections, the second round of which was held on the 24th of May, and it was won by the incumbent president Emmanuel Macron by collecting 58.5% of the votes against Marine Le Pen, leader of the national rally, who both could see a record increase of their voter base by collecting 41.5% of the votes. Before starting the discussion, let me introduce our guests, Akos Ben Sagad, the Head of Communications and Foreign Affairs of the Danube Institute, and Rodrigo Balestar, the Head of, of the Center for European Studies at the Matthias Corvinus Collegium. Welcome. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you. So my first question would be, how do you explain the results that we could see in the second round of the presidential elections? And what do you imagine the anatomy behind these results might be? So where do you see the cleavages in French society? And how do you explain that Marine Le Pen could achieve a record number of votes um, in the second round, and how would you evaluate the chances of the uh, second term, second mandate of uh, Emmanuel Macron? How can he actually continue his presidency? Thank you very much, first of all, for the invitation. Um, how, a lot of questions in your question. Um, to explain the result and also to explain especially I mean, what struck me after the first round already that has been already, uh, even highlighted, underlined by the second one, is the atomization of this country. You mentioned the cleavages. I wish there was only one. Uh, actually, there are many in terms of age, so generation gap in terms of regions, in terms of uh, you know, urban um, uh, inhabitants, uh, you know, against the what they call the, the peripheral France, the France périphérique, and of course also political. I mean, you have now three blocks in France, three blocks, the um, extreme left, the extreme center, which is uh, you know, one around Macron, and uh, the the right, the right, including so the center right, right and extreme right. So you have a very polarized, fragmented country, and uh, in it's you even have some confessional lines, because for the first time uh, ever you could see that there is a religious vote in France. Sixty-nine percent of the Muslim population voted for the extreme left party for La France Insoumise. And uh, those are the three blocks that we're going to see now in the French legislative elections. So how can we explain this result? In many ways. Uh, and uh, so to start with also, bear in mind that the, the, the result of Marine Le Pen is much better than five years ago, but it's worse than she expected. Uh, uh, everyone thought that Macron's victory will be tight, will be something like 43-47% or 52-48%. And at the end, this big difference came as a surprise. Why? Because you still, I mean, the, the France is not mature at all or is not ready if you want to, to change his, uh, its uh, center, extreme center or rather leftist psyche. And, uh, and then also the journalists and the medias in general and, uh, and uh, the, the doers, the, those who are, I mean, the factic powers were extremely active for two weeks, you know, in uh, vilifying Marine Le Pen. 
and that worked. I mean, if for, for two weeks you hammer time and again that uh, extreme right is coming, fascism is coming, and, th- and uh, you know, all those, all those basically calumnies, at the end it has an effect. But um, we still have the picture of a country that is going to be extremely fragmented, that it is now fragmented, and a mandate of Macron that is going to be extremely tense, extremely tense. Because all, I mean, Macron, you either like him or hate him. And so all his haters, you know, which were gathered under, under you know, this 42% of votes uh, for Marine Le Pen will be probably very vocal. So it's going to be a very difficult job for him. And um, how do you think the result of the first round, for example, or this fragmentation in French society will influence how Macron will build his new government? Probably in a very clear way, because now the, after the, the French elections, we have to see the result. I mean, the, the French electoral system is majoritarian, is very special. So it's not always the case that the, the tendencies of the presidential elections are then translated into the number of, of seats in the, in the Assemblée Nationale, in the Parliament. This being said, now we can already see alliances, for example, no later than yesterday and this morning, the Greens and the Socialists. Um, decided to join this extreme left bloc. Yes. And uh, and the question is whether the right will be able to do the same thing. And then if at the end the results of the legislative, legislative elections end up in three blocks, as we saw also in the presidential election, then it will be a question of alliances. And so Macron is much more likely to build an alliance with on his left than on his right. And so this is one also of the dangers that... For the, for the next five years, Macron will have, uh, you know, a coalition with the far left. That's one option. Benza, what do you think how Macron will build his government and what explanations do you see for the results? Thank you very much. Uh, seeing from Hungary, I think that the first thing that we have to state that Macron, uh, Emmanuel Macron won the elections with this uh, famous uh, 58.5 percent which is a quite big difference uh, from uh, his rival Marine Le Pen uh, if we look on this uh, uh, from the outside but if we come closer and we examine this result this is a bit more complicated because if we compare uh, those elections previous elections uh, French presidential elections where uh, two Uh, absolutely accepted uh, party politicians uh, were measured by the voters. Uh, We had, that's true, we had uh, really tight results, sometimes 48% uh, versus uh, uh, 52% and so on and so forth. So having in this condition uh, uh, 58.5%, it's a quite big difference. But uh, there is another question, there is another possible approach, is uh, looking on former elections uh, in France where we had uh, a candidate from the so-called extreme right uh, and another candidate which was well accepted by the elites and the population, which was, uh, how to say, not on the margin of the the political scene. In these cases, uh, we saw in in 2002 
Um, in the case of uh, Jean-Marie Le Pen, uh, former president of Front National, and Jacques Chirac, that Chirac uh, won with 82% against Le Pen, the, the father, let's say, the father Le Pen. Uh, and uh, if we come closer uh, and we go to 2017, uh, we see that Marine Le Pen at that time uh, get on, got only 34%. Uh, it means that this uh, um, something worked in the French society saying that uh, uh, this candidate is more from the extreme right. In that case, uh, we have to vote against. Uh, if Marine Le Pen uh, is still considered to be of the extreme right, which uh, I don't uh, state, but if we have this hypothesis, uh, Macron, uh, who won only with uh, uh, 58%, it's uh, not a huge victory if we agree that it's against the extreme right. Uh, it's, it is not my statement. It is, the it is the statement of President Macron, who said that he was fighting against the extreme right when he was presenting uh, the stake of the elections, uh, and especially the second round, against Marine Le Pen. Now, the big question is whether, uh, uh, how, where, is, uh, where is Marine Le Pen on the political scene and, and, and her party? Is, uh, on the right, like uh, Rodrigo said, or an extreme right, or where? And I think that there is a uh, there is a political scene which is uh, uh, moving and restructuring, uh, and. Uh, it is obvious that Marine Le Pen and her party comes more from uh, the, how to say, the margin of uh, of the right. So uh, because we had previously in France uh, political parties, uh, UMP, Les Républicains, uh, which were considered to be the real right, uh, and in in do in this structure, uh, the party of Madame Le Pen was on the extreme right. But now that this party, Les Républicains, uh, uh, was was became uh, really fragile uh, and uh, with, with only 4.7 percent her candidate uh, Valérie Pécresse uh, getting uh, uh, during the, the first round of the elections uh, we can say that if you want to look look for a right-wing party in France this is a strong right-wing party this is uh, the party of uh, Madame Le Pen uh, and uh, when uh, there is a vote from French people where uh, around 42% of the voters are voting for Madame Le Pen, we can no more say this, that clearly that she is from the extreme right, because this would mean that uh, French society uh, supports uh, a candidate from the extreme right and almost the half of the French society and the French voters. Uh, so for me, the big question is, uh, is there? Uh, and the answer uh, is this, there is a restructuring. So we cannot say that uh, there we have, Madame Le Pen has nothing to do with this myth of the extreme right, with this with this history from, uh, coming from the extreme right, but we can neither say that uh, uh, she is uh, uh, clearly on the extreme right and she has nothing to do with the center. She has to do with the center because uh, she um, uh, she incarnates now uh, a right wing uh, option uh, against uh, uh, Monsieur Macron, Mr. Macron, uh, and this this is the big question. And for me, this result is coherent because uh, uh, if if we are thinking about this movement of the political scene, uh, we are, uh, she is, uh, of course, she is not at 50%, but almost. So there is a move.
Yes, I'm so glad that you brought up uh, the results of of Marine Le Pen and the National Rally because um, during the past five years, so uh, the previous quinquennat, we could see that Marine Le Pen renamed the party, tried to move towards the center because she somehow felt that that was the key to success. Now, uh, this wasn't realized exactly uh, this year, But what do you think will happen to the National Rally in these next uh, couple of years? And how will Marine Le Pen, will she return to her previous agenda? Will she uh, move forward, like more to the center? What do you think will happen to the loser in this, um, in this case? It's a very speculative uh, question, uh, and especially in politics, you know, you never know what are really the dynamics of a party from within, if basically she's popular within her party or not. I think without being, um, you know, too uh, too reckless, let's wait for the results of the legislative elections. I think this that's going to be the test. If she's not able to, uh, to rally um, a good score, you know, and also like uh, beyond her, her party, then um, she will have a hard, harder situation. But again, who, who can be the leader of the of the right bloc today in France, today, if not Marine Le Pen? Uh, she had some other contenders during the presidential election, and Patrick Zemmour didn't do very well, and the others are just anecdotic. So who else? I mean, she's at 42%. She was at 24% in the first round. Zemmour was at 7%. You know, and so who is the, who has now the, the if you want, like the, 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 the powerful negotiating position, it's her. And so it will also depends what happens in her party. But again, I mean, she has a quite a long, uh, strong leadership. I mean, I don't see anyone overshadowing her. Um, the question might be in five years, indeed, for the next election, and we shall see. But again, it's... Um, It's not only a question of, uh, of leadership within a party. I mean, what is really important here is that whether Macron will be able to, you know, have a reason, reasonably peaceful mandate given all the tensions that are really cross-cutting France. Generation, city, so geography, religion, um, culture. How can you govern with that? And especially, imagine that Macron has, a, has to, to, to build a coalition, for example, with the, with the far left. I mean, it's, that's going to antagonize even more the party, the, the country. And also bear in mind that some, another aspect that can be also very, very antagonizing is that given the French legislative system, those 42% of persons who voted for Marine Le Pen might be far, I mean, might, might be translated into a couple of MPs. Um, in the in the in the national assembly in the par in the French parliament, I mean that happened in the last five years. She she had 36% of votes in the last in the second round of the 2017 election, but at the end she only got six MPs, six exactly. out of 577, so basically 1.5 or something like that. And so you know this is a very unfair political system that doesn't give a voice to you know those who didn't vote for the majority which for me is totally anti-democratic and even worse i mean you spoke uh Benzev spoke about this establishment about this mediatic mediatic establishment we also have to bear in mind that those 42 of voters are basically excluded from the media landscape in france totally excluded you have only have very very and minor media outlets that are speaking on their behalf So it's absolutely hegemonic. The, 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 the Macron-friendly outlets are absolutely hegemonic. And so here you're muzzling politically and, medi and mediatically 
a large fringe of the French population and they lost the election now and they have to go now through very, a very, very painful and, um, and difficult political situation. Will Macron manage? I, again, I insist, I'm very happy not to be the French president in the next five years. Yes, and it also um, might be a problem for President Macron that he has a very young party and this is his last mandate. So how will his policies, how might his policies uh, live on? But now uh, let's turn back to the legislative elections, which are going to be held this summer. And as we could read um, today, the Green Party and the party of Jean-Luc Mélenchon, La France Insoumise, uh, decided to cooperate uh, for, for the legislative elections to gain as many seats as possible. Do you think that a, a cohabitation situation will emerge uh, in this sense? And how can there be a cohabitation situation when Macron poses himself in the center? So who can, what kind of government, what kind of National Assembly can be totally opposed to him in his policies? Mm -hmm. uh, interesting question. Uh, there are surveys that say uh, that uh, the majority of French population is... Uh, Uh, more in favor of a co for a cohabitation. Uh, I'm uh, this is the survey. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, this would be very good for for French people because uh, if there is a cohabitation, uh, you have difficulties to govern, of course, of because course. the president is from a different color, uh, different politics, than uh, than the, than the uh, the prime minister and the government. So that is not. Uh, a very good situation for a country, for any of the countries, of course. Of course, those, one, uh, those ones who do not agree uh, uh, with Emmanuel Macron would be uh, very happy to see that. But uh, otherwise, in terms of uh, efficiency of government, I'm not sure. Uh, for, for your previous question about, uh, about how Marine Le Pen will, uh, uh, will develop, yes. I think that there is a tendency uh, that she started uh, and not uh, five years ago, but 10 years ago with, his, uh, with her party to, to, to join the center, right? Uh, and I think that the numbers are cle clearly showing that uh, this is a, a, a tactic that works because the number are, uh, at each elect elections are higher and higher. So mm -hmm. I think that she has uh, every interest to stay uh, in the middle, in the center. Uh, but the question will be whether she manages to stay or there will be a rival from, on the right. But uh, as Rodrigo said as well, um, on the right, if we, uh, are, if we look on the, the political scene, we see Eric Zemmour, but he is absolutely not, uh, how to say, Uh, more on the center uh, from uh, from Marine Le Pen, but more on the right, more on the extreme. Uh, so that Marine Le Pen has a good chance when you when you look at Zemmour, if Zemmour doesn't change uh, uh, the way of uh, of his politics. The other question: whether there will be someone from uh, from the former uh, uh, Republican Party, someone emerging, because uh, they have uh, still uh, personalities there, so it is not excluded. But what, what is happening uh, is that uh, Macron is uh, targeting uh, those uh, potential leaders from the right as well and is uh, um, inviting them f to the government. And uh, since uh, the most important personalities or who, who have the potential of political power uh, or political legitimacy uh, are joining Macron, uh, there will be still a vacant for, uh, for 
Madame Le Pen? And this is a uh, this is a good uh, this is a good question also as well. If at uh, the the legislative elections um, uh, we will have an opposition uh, to against Macron, will it be a left wing opposition or a right wing opposition? Uh, or uh, I, I would say that I am not sure that the the political cleavages are there. Maybe the political cleavages are more uh, about uh, uh, globalism and national sovereignty, uh, uh, supporters for a European federal state against uh, against the people who are more uh, standing for national sovereignty, question of migration, whether there is uh, someone who is pro-migration or uh, anti-migration or who wants to stop uh, illegal migration. Uh, I think that there are cleavages like this in the French society, uh, but they are not representing uh, represented by two forces, but by three forces now, as we saw at, at the elections. And this is, this is complicated, and that's why uh, Macron uh, was able to win, because the opposition was not united, and uh, even even if the, these cleavages are there, um, these uh, cleavages didn't work uh, very well at the end. Yeah, and, they, and they're they're still uh, they're still in the same position. That basically, so far, this is the only bloc, the right wing bloc, is the only one that didn't manage to be united. So far, for if the elections, the legislative elections, will take place tomorrow, it will not be united. So it's very likely that the far left will be will speak with one voice. Macron and his party will speak with one voice, obviously, but then the right might not, and that that's deadly in the in the in the French. That's suicidal, actually, in the French um, uh, legislative uh, system. So that's a danger. And you, 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 you're right, Benz. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in five years in the in the right? You know that the the former party Les Républicains now is liquidated. I think we can all agree. When you're below five percent, it means that you're going to disappear. And as you said, most of them, just to keep their seat in the Assemblée Nationale, are going to go with Macron. But some things are happening, and there's one name I wanted to bring on the table. This is the mayor of Cannes. It's called David Lisnar, David Linard. And David Linard is somebody who maybe, you know, could be able to federate the, the right wing in for the next elections. He's, a, he's the most popular mayor in France. He's totally anti-bureaucracy. So he criticizes all the time the bureaucracy. So he's a guy from the he's a person from the ground. And he's somebody who doesn't come from like one of these grand écoles, one of those very famous and reputed schools in France. So he's not from the, the elitist circles, but again, he's extremely close to the um, to his uh, voters. And he has a, he's also the president of the of the of the Association of French Mayors, which is a very important. is is actually is a, is a, is a critical one in in France. And so this person, if he has like the the will to go, might be somebody you know who might might have this federative profile, and maybe he can federate 45 percent of the voters behind him. To be seen. So you see, you never know what's going to to happen, but. Uh, for the time being, it's true that I mean, for the next legislative, I think the big question is whether the right is going to be able, you know, to to get unified the way the center and the far left is. Big question. Yes, and also um, now that we are talking about the legislative elections, in character they are different from the presidential elections, because at the presidential elections, people uh, choose personalities. Uh, people choose um, king uh, in France. They like to choose a king. They're still a royalist. Yeah, yes, we can say it like that. So um, 
in the legislative elections, perhaps the um, decisions will be guided by nuances. I mean here the economy, uh, the pension reform, the uh, purchasing power. So do you think that these issues will frame the legislative elections more than they did the presidential ones? I don't think that that will be the main the main criteria. I mean, the, the French legislative elections are also territorial elections. Mm -hmm. And so you also vote for your MP, the one that you know. And one of the paradoxes is that the, the two main parties that have basically have been, you know, like kicked out from the political map, the socialists and the UMP or Les Républicains, because they change names every three, four <laughs> years. Uh, those two are totally nowhere in the presidential elections, but they're still quite powerful on the ground. Mm -hmm. They still have quite a few MPs, quite a few uh, regional uh, you know, councils, I mean, basically regions. And so this is one of, uh, very paradoxical is that they might be dead on one level, but they are absolutely alive and kicking on another one. And so there, the difference is, is, is not so much like the, the topics that you put on the table. Those were the topics of the presidential election. But what matters now is also the proximity. It's like, a bit mm -hmm. like electing a mayor sometimes. You know, you, you look less at its political background. If, it's a, if he's a good mayor, you vote for him. If he was a bad mayor, you stop voting for him, whether you are right wing and he's left wing or the other way around. And, um, and so this is basically what, what, what happens. I mean, you have this very rooted tradition in French of, the, for example, the député maire, that you're mayor and MP at the same time. And so the, and the, this Assemblée Nationale is also a place where basically it's like it has a territorial element, territorial profile. And so that's why also the, 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 the elections can be, the results can be very, very different from the presidential election. And uh, all, the all the topics that you mentioned, for especially the, 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 the purchasing power, the, the pouvoir d'achat, which is a very French thing, you know, they, they speak time and again about that. Um, that's going to be more like the topic of the opposition for the mm -hmm. next uh, five years. But I don't think it's going to be, the, you know, it's not going to be decisive now in the in the elections. I mean, purchasing power, all those things. I mean, also one of the lessons of the presidential election is that the classic conservative topics, societal topics, for example, uh, imagine, uh, you know, like the, the cancel culture, um, family policy um, and migration and didn't really have attraction on the on the political scene so migration definitely yes but for example the questions of identity of french culture i mean we also have to face one thing that in france those topics that can be very popular in other countries are simply not very popular in france there is not a conservative agenda and this one was represented by zemmour and it was seven percent i wouldn't say that he's actually more on the right than marine le pen i wouldn't say so just that you know in france indeed it's a bit exotic it's very exotic to bring those topics on the table and so the, some elites are very interested in them, but it's true that when you at the at the level of the at the scale of the country, very few people care. You know, in Hungary, for example, the protection of children against gender theory is a very important topic. In France, it's not. Yes. Um, uh, first of all, uh, before before Zemmour, Marine Le Pen represented this this conservative right as well, more this migration topic as well. I think that that on, she was on migration, but other, on on social topics, 
on, on social topics that's that's more dividing also in Europe because uh, if you look on uh, the politics of uh, Fidesz as well there is also an intervention of the state in the economics uh, in a in a good way of course not in a very left wing way but there is a state that acts we say and this uh, this is uh, how we how could we quali- qualify it we could say this is a gaullist approach and uh, french uh, france is of course a gaullist country because they gave uh, the goal uh, to the world uh, but uh, Uh, what is interesting is that the Gaullism was something that uh, unified a certain idea of France, a unified France, different tendencies that we are talking about. A man managed to uh, to unify in a special uh, political and uh, and historical context, of course. And uh, uh, what is very interesting in in France is that uh, every party, not every, but a lot of parties, uh, like to to refer to to the to to the legacy of uh, General de Gaulle, uh, but they are a bit disputing uh, among them who is more who is a real Gaullist or not. They say they are Gaullist, Gaullian. There are different adjectives. Like in the TV uh, debate. Uh, Yes. There was this element where where someone brought up De Gaulle and then oh don't come to me with the De Gaulle. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> yes, that was Macron saying uh, when when uh, Madame Le Pen made a dif- made a reference to De Gaulle and uh, Macron uh, yes. counterattack that uh, uh, coming uh, from where you come you don't you you should rather uh, avoid uh, speaking about De Gaulle. But but I think that uh, De Gaulle managed to do something and it was De Gaulle who introduced basically this. Uh, Uh, this system of uh, electing that directly electing the French president uh, as Rodrigo said the king but let's say in democracy that's a that's a that's a president uh, and uh, it it was uh, it was good for him and the others uh, uh, tried to uh, how to say um, give uh, uh, an image of president which which can be close to the goal or not but uh, but but the cleavages are, are more 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 dividing and the, the tendencies uh, are not uh, unified I absolutely agree I agree with uh, Rodrigo on the on the question of uh, legislative elections that uh, you said um, that um, uh, that in in the presidential elections we are voting about people about the two main candidates or, or before the 12 uh, candidates but uh, at the legislative elections as well they are also mm-hmm. uh, voting uh, more about personalities than than about parties if we compare uh, i think with hungary where uh, where we have uh, we have established parties at least uh, the governing party fidesz is running from the uh, the, the end of the 80th 80th century 80th sorry century 80s uh, so at, at basically at from uh, from uh, from the end of the last century so this is a this is a historical party in France, Uh, parties are not that important because they are reformulating or they have another importance because they are um, they are uh, prepared they are making roots uh, but more at the territories I think uh, when there is a presidential election this is the person Macron won the elections in 2017 and uh, uh, then he formed a party around this uh, and he managed to have a majority uh, to the to, to the to the parliamentary elections something which is very very strange from a Hungarian point of view but at the legislative elections these these are more the parties that are working but also their representatives at place so it's extremely different to understand the, the voters behavior i think uh, from abroad and from from Hungary yes 
yes. And now uh, let's come back to uh, to this Franco-Hungarian uh, line because I wanted to ask you what you think will happen in uh, the relations between France and Hungary. How can these two countries cooperate in the next four or five years? And um, how will they behave towards each other uh, even um, at the European scene? I don't think it's going to get any better. Huh? Um, we often hear that uh, behind the scenes Macron and Orban are good buddies, they get along, uh, they like each other, they respect each other. Fine, fair enough, good, I'm happy for them, but honestly I didn't see that again translated into concrete policies. What I see is, uh, especially you now during the, the, the French electoral campaign was Macron bashing Hungary in several occasions. And uh, I don't see, for example, uh, you know, Macron even being constructive with Hungary in the European scene. I mean, uh, bear in mind that the next elections, the next important elections will be the European ones in 2024. And we can already guess the message of the political campaign. It will be, oh, moi, Macron, the super pro-European against the illiberals. The liberals against the illiberals. That's going to be the main, you know, like uh, message and the game of the campaign. So, you know, It doesn't change anything that if, if Macron and, and, and Orban might be might respect each other, but for example, it doesn't that doesn't change the fact that uh, Macron's party in the European Parliament is extremely aggressive towards you know the conservatives and the reformist group, extremely con, con, uh, aggressive. They want to you know implement even what they call the cordon sanitaire, which I think is a horrible expression, basically to isolate them politically. And uh, and so maybe on more technical issue they they might they might ag they might agree on some files I mean maybe some directives or some some EU legislation on agriculture maybe they would agree on nuclear policy on nuclear energy maybe a bit on migration as well but that wouldn't change the fact that indeed you know they will uh, Macron will portray uh, the Visegrad and very especially Hungary you know, as the enemy number one for the towards the European elections. I mean, and also don't underestimate that there is one factor that is totally redefining the European politics. And one, one is of course the war. And today, you know, uh, the way now everyone wants to be Gaullist in France, now in Europe, everyone wants to be anti-Putin. They want to be more anti-Putinist than anyone else. And so those who can be labeled as being Putinist are be, as being Trojan horses of Russia. I mean, you know, this level of calumny, I mean, then they, they're going to, to become a bit, as we say in French, infréquentable in the way that no one wants to take a picture with them. And so far, you know, even if when it comes to sanctions, when it comes to paying in ruble, when it comes to the sanctions on energy, a lot of countries agree with the position of Hungary. The media, the mediatic message that you get is that the Putinist country in Europe is Hungary. The one is Orban. The best friend of Putin is him. And so all those lies and all those calumnies also have an effect on the public and the published opinion. And so that's why also I think it will be very complicated, uh, even if Macron wanted, and I don't think he wants, you know, to even start a constructive uh, relationship with uh, With, uh, with Hungary. And then, you know, Hungary has a voice and has a weight within the Visegrad group alone. Yes. Once it is isolated, it, has, it is much less so. I mean, we're speaking about a small country. It's nine and a half million inhabitants. It's a mid-sized country for the EU, actually. But indeed, it, within, within the Visegrad and together with Poland, Hungary has a very strong influence. But once the Visegrad, without the, the Visegrad group, 
it's a different story. And now we don't know what's going to happen with this group. I don't think it's, it disappeared. I still think that it keeps a certain influence, but it's definitely being tested by the war because there, you know, the, the, the position of Hungary and the position of Poland are not quite the same, to say the least. And so I'm afraid this, uh, this uh, group will be on standby for some months, maybe a couple of years. And so one less reasons, you know, to even seek to even try to have a constructive relationship with uh, with Hungary. I'm, I'm, I'm very pessimistic about it, but I think that Hungary now has the perfect pro profile to be the punching ball of all the politically correct elite. Yes, being a Hungarian, this is a difficult matter for me because, uh, and a Francophone Hungarian um, who lived and studied in France, uh, I'm, I'm really, really sad that um, uh, the political relations are not good between the two countries. Uh, that means that uh, Mr. Macron says that uh, his political enemy is uh, political enemy or is uh, Mr. Orban. Uh, and when he adds to this uh, phrase, but he's also a partner European, European partner, we are all right, already delighted. Oh, at least. Uh, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't want to, to, to totally delegitimize uh, Hungary. It's I, like I a would debating say. partner. Uh, like, like a debating partner. Like, like it, it, it is not, maybe this is not a cordon sanitaire from Macron. We could say this is not a cordon sanitaire because he says this is also a partner European we have to find a dialogue with. But it's just a, <laughs> a way to be polite, to be honest. It's a it's a polite slogan <laughs> but uh, you know coming from hungary and uh, seeing from uh, for 12 years now that the left the liberal left is attacking hungary with a lot of lies every day at the beginning it was uh, one lie per week now this is 10, ten lies by day by day and especially looking uh, at the european parliament that this is this is very 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 harmful and uh, when we are in a context where, uh, in which uh, um, in the European elites, in the European mainstream, it is very catchy and it's very trendy to 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 say uh, something which uh, which makes Hungary bashing. Uh, and when there is a French president, obviously a uh, president of a superpower. Uh, who is polite with us <laughs> it means something because he could also say uh, the same exact same lies and the exact same way than uh, the other left-wing uh, liberal uh, politicians on the west he, so we are very happy he said that them during the, the campaign uh, huh? yes but we are very happy that sometimes he says face. the contrary but this is also a question in french society because they say that this mr macron is the president of uh so this, this means uh, and also, not only, but also, so he likes to say something and also the contrary uh, sometimes. But but at least uh, this is uh, this is something something positive uh, for us when when uh, he he slightly um, how to say makes um, makes this Hungary uh, bashing in in a more clever way how to say or more polite way. But of course, it's bad. It's bad because. Uh, um, in Hungary, we would like these politicians to come here and to see the reality and to go back to their countries and at least stop lying. This is the, so when Mr. Macron says at the meeting between the two uh, terms of the elections 
uh, when they are someone uh, uh, who, who who starts to uh, starts to speak up loudly at his meeting do it do it because you have the right of expression here but not in not not like in Hungary that is stupid that is I would say the traditional laughing way who uh, for example the, the the foreign minister of Luxembourg uh, who uh, denounced already at the end of 2012 after some months of uh, uh, government of Fidesz 2010 he said that we have a new uh, dictator in, uh, in Europe and he managed to frame and these 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 laughing managed to frame the discussions uh, in Europe uh, uh, in, in the silly way um uh, i would say um uh, that 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 this this is very this is a very complicated story but um but we would like really people to come to hungary macron came to hungary finally uh, he managed to give uh, press conferences without going on this topic of rule of law every time and saying okay i came here and uh, i was shocked by what the opposition said in fact he he, he did not really uh, speak about this and the opposition yeah, in hungary was very very uh, saddened yeah but then he came to the european parliament the first speech he did as a, as a chairman of the european union was you know like exactly the speech that the Hungarian opposition would have like, would have liked him to to give in Hungary. So he said it in the European Parliament. Oh, the continent is divided between the liberal good ones and the illiberal ugly ones, and he, you know and even and even went you know to say something extremely stupid from a political, social, and legal point of view. I said I even now now want to propose that abortion becomes a new fundamental right in the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights. This is a stupid comment for one hundred reasons. And still he did it, you know. And again, and there it was, he was basically bashing Poland and Hungary in the very first speech he gave, actually first and only, because then he went on campaign, <laughs> but uh, as, a, as a president of the European Union. So it's, it's really an en même temps. He can be polite in Budapest. He can be extremely unpolite in, uh, when, when, he, when he, you know, in another context. I mean, he's, he's a chameleon. Basically, he can contradict him, himself on the very same day. Uh, for these questions in Hungary, we say uh, uh, doesn't listen to what uh, the person says, but uh, more look at the person who says it. <laughs> so it means that sometimes uh, uh, the um, the um, the words uh, that are pronounced uh, are also qualifying the person. But without saying bad things about about the French uh, current and former president, uh, I can I think stand for this position that uh, uh, Hungary uh, should uh, deserve more uh, more uh, more. More justice and the more fair, a fairer approach uh, uh, toward the country. Because uh, in the same way that we uh, we we are uh, talking about French elections, and we are uh, we are saying, uh, okay, French people decided, we accept this. Uh, we wait exactly the same from French people, commentators, French commentators saying that Hungarian people decided like that. We can try to uh, go in Hungary or go into the mind of Hungarians and find out why they did so uh, and uh, and 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 let's let's try to do it not 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 to uh, stay in France and uh, uh, create uh, uh, enemies and uh, imaginary enemies and saying that Hungary is uh, quite far uh, from France on the on the, on the former western uh, eastern bloc for, former soviet bloc so we can we can easily make an image of uh, of uh, eastern european dictatorship somehow i think that's bad and this is not about, this is not the real european cooperation they should come and they should debate here or uh, or we should need 
fairer debates also in the European Parliament. Uh, I know, Rodrigo, you are absolutely right uh, that uh, uh, there um, uh, the, the current debates are very disappointing, but we still have to um, uh, have to think or have to hope that that can be changed and that that will that will be changed. And for the war, okay, the war. This is the topic for the Polish uh, because they are uh, on the, on a, on a very very anti-Putin side. But look how that changed uh, their 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 image in the West. They are now uh, treated um, how to say with, with uh, uh, more understanding uh, and. We can never know in politics what should happen uh, to Hungary to be treated uh, as the same way. Maybe there is something. I don't know. I, I have no idea. But uh, I don't give up the hope that that can change. Exactly. Yes, we, we hope for uh, room for further cooperation. I would like to thank you both for coming, Rodrigo Balaser and Akos Ben Sagat. Thanks to you. Thank you. And I want to thank our audience. Uh, please follow our podcast on Spotify, on Google Podcasts and iTunes and read our research materials on danubeinstitute.au and follow us on social media too. Thank you very much. Thank you.